Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Total Dream Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Dickert, and I'm excited to have you here today. All right, welcome to episode 45. I don't know why, but 45 has a nice ring to it, so I'm excited about this week's episode, as I am every week. I'm excited to have you here with me today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Uh, Without you listening, this doesn't happen. So, as always, I am very grateful for you. Uh, Cool thing that happened last week, Spotify Wrapped came out, and it turned out that they also tell you about what podcasts people have been listening to. So I got to say, I was just really touched to see all the people who had me in their top podcasts. Uh, Humble brag, but I've got some of the best friends in the world and some of the best listeners in the world, and I am grateful for each and every one of you. All right, what else is going on? Let's see. We have made it to December. It's the last month of the year. 2023 is almost over. Um, We're just about a week away from my birthday, turning the big 4-1. So yeah, it's a busy time of year. I'm working very hard on staying present, staying intentional, and not having the entire month just fly by. But stay tuned. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Um, Obviously, it is a special time of year. There's a lot of holiday parties. There's a lot of family time. There's a lot of friend time. Um, so just, uh, pace yourself and enjoy the moment. You know, we're never going to get this moment again. Uh, what else is going on? The Eagles got smoked by the 49ers over the weekend, which is okay. Uh, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet, but I am excited to see how they respond. Uh, the 49ers look scary good right now, so we'll see how things go. Cause I would not be surprised if those two teams meet again in the playoffs. Uh, right now the devils are, trending towards being bums but there's still plenty of season left and the devil's games are still a ton of fun to go to so we're still entertained we're still watching uh i am officially one week away from being put out of my fantasy football misery for the year i think that i am in last place in three out of four my three out of my four fantasy football leagues uh which is interesting because i generally tend to consider myself a talented fantasy football player. Uh, I realize a lot of it comes down to luck and I've had some bad luck this year, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good one. I also like to tell myself that the reason I'm not doing good at fantasy is because I'm focusing so much more on other goals, uh, which makes me feel good and makes it a easier pill to swallow. But at the end of the day, woof, probably my worst fantasy season ever, but it's all good. It's probably my best, uh, sports betting season ever so it all works out in the end as long as you break even um still working on goals they're almost finalized i'm very excited i've actually been going back over them uh with the therapist with the coach and kind of tuning them and fine-tuning them um and paring them down you know i think one of the biggest takeaways from this year besides tying your goals to your values and really having a strong why and a purpose statement and a reason that you want this goal is like Paring down the goals, not having 50 goals, have like two to three goals for each area of your life at most and try to make them impactful, like, you know, keystone goals, just like keystone habits. You know, this idea that if you wake up in the morning and first thing you make your bed, it's going to affect the rest of your day. 
having keystone goals. So rather than having 17 different goals, figuring out what the one goal is that's going to get five or six of those things to happen automatically. You know, if my goal is to get in shape, to lose weight, to eat healthy, to sleep better, to yada, 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 you may find that like the goal of having your diet right is enough to affect all of those other things. And then you just have to focus on your diet and the other things take care of themselves. So uh, still getting into Arnold Schwarzenegger's pump app. I love it. Uh, his daily email too. Like I, it feels silly suggesting this every week, but like I really enjoy his daily email. I really enjoy the app and I'm having fun with it. Uh, like I said, birthday is coming up. So I have not forgotten that I said that I was going to be able to do a proper squat by my birthday. I'm close. I'm not there yet. Uh, there's still eight days left, so you know I can get there, but I'm also not going to hurt myself in the process. It's okay if you don't get there. I will get there eventually, and mobility is a huge focus for me for the upcoming year, um, but I'm still hopeful that by my birthday, I have a full squat to show you. Stay tuned. Uh, nutrition is obviously a big thing for me going forward. Some of my nutrition goals for the year, uh, avoiding seed oils whenever possible. I just found a new app. It's called Seed Oil Scout. Um, and basically what the app does is it kind of like goes and asks local restaurants what they use when they cook. And then it gives them a grade based on whether they don't use any seed oils, whether they use some seed oils, or whether you should really avoid the uh, eating there. Um, and it's kind of cool because then if you're out and, out and about and you want to grab lunch or you want to grab dinner, you pull up the app and it gives you a map to show you what restaurants are very good when it comes to seed oils and which ones are not so good. Uh, and then the other thing that I'm focusing on is being very aware of the animal proteins that I'm eating. So you're the result of not just your food, but what your food eats. We've talked about this a ton on the podcast, but if your food is eating pesticides and hormones and garbage and stress and that, that's going to come through into you. So if it means that I can only eat animal proteins that I cook myself, and when I eat out and about, I have to be a vegetarian, so be it. Because like this is really important, and this is a focus of the year coming up. And then uh, last but not least, I'm going to keep ringing this bell, but gratitude. You know, I'm working on, now that my goals are pretty much set, my next thing that I want to do before the end of the year is I want to go back through the year and make a list of all the things that I'm grateful for. You know, we forget so much of the good things that happen throughout the years. We forget about the trips or the times with friends or, you know, the books that we read. And to go back and just kind of say like, oh, right, I have this entire list of things that fill me with gratitude. I think it's going to be a worthwhile uh, exercise. So I'll let you know how that goes. All right. In the interest of timeliness, moving on. This week, we're going to talk about neuroplasticity. Welcome to another episode of the Total Dream Life Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Thomas Dicker. I'm a chiropractor, meditation teacher, entrepreneur, and lover of life, and I'm excited to have you join me for this week's episode.
episode 45. Uh, like I said in the intro, this week we're going to talk about neuroplasticity. And this is one of those really fun topics that I kind of stumbled into when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about this week. And as I stumbled into it, I realized that it's a really deep and really wide topic. So we may be coming back to this at some point, or hopefully we will find some people to interview about it. But let's get into it. Let's give you kind of the base background. So what is neuroplasticity? Um, you know, it's kind of an idea that's only been around for about 100, 120 years or so. Uh, but it was first coined in the 1940s, but it was discussed earlier, as early as like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, but traditionally, people, at least in the Western uh, culture, assumed that after you were a child, after you finished adolescence, that your brain was fixed. Uh, but what we think now, or what we've come to learn with current research, is that brains can indeed change, grow, and heal throughout your life. Um, the things you do affect the health and function of your brain, but you can actually come back from injuries, you can come back from poor habits or poor thought patterns, and you can grow and change those things. So neuroplasticity or neuroplasticity or brain plasticity, it's the, bra it's the ability of your neural networks in your brain to change through growth and reorganization. So it's when your brain is rewired to function in a way different than how it previously functioned. So... Um, the capacity for our brain cells to change in response to our behavior is key to neuroplasticity. Uh, we can change and influence the brain to either positive or to the negative with our behaviors. You know, the things we do, the thoughts we have, the behaviors we repeat all affect the growth and development of our brain. And luckily, this is something that we can directly influence and choose to help grow. Um, it's slightly different than another concept, which is called neurogenesis. Neurogenesis is when your uh, body is creating new brain cells. And neurogenesis can sometimes be part of neuroplasticity, but it's slightly, it's a different, it's a different phenomenon. Uh, so neurogenesis is when like the physical brain cells are able to grow or repair or reproduce, whereas neurogenesis is where we're actually, uh, I'm sorry, where neuroplasticity is when we're changing the pathways and the um, synapse, synaptic connections in our brain. Um, but yeah, so one of the other things that we've realized, because again, originally that people in the West thought that brain cells were finite and that you couldn't make new ones over time. And if you killed a brain cell or damaged a brain cell, it was done forever. But what the current research is showing us is that certain parts of the brain, especially the hippocampus, are capable of, capable of regenerating, of generating new cells throughout adult life. So with the proper behaviors, with the proper actions, you can actually encourage your brain to grow new cells, and that plays into a neuroplasticity. So there's many benefits of brain neuroplasticity. It allows your brain to adapt and change. It can be very protective uh, for stressful events, and it helps us respond to our environment. So it helps us uh, have the ability to learn new things. It helps us grow our cognitive capabilities to get smarter. Um, it can help us recover from injuries like traumatic brain injuries, strokes, that sort of thing, concussions. Um, and it can strengthen areas if some functions are lost or in decline. So it can compensate for other areas, which is really cool. Um, and it can, you know, through certain actions and certain behaviors, we can actually promote our brain fitness and our brain health over time. So 
there's two types of neuroplasticity. The first is structural neuroplasticity, uh, which is when the strength of the connections between neurons and synapse or synapses changes as a result of learning. So this is like when a child's learning how to read, the changes that happen in the brain, the connections that happen. Uh, we've talked a lot about the book Proust and the Squid, which is all about how reading and learning to read has changed the brains of humans uh, evolutionary-wise. And on a personal level, as you learn to read, it actually restructures the brain. Um, so structural neuroplasticity involves our brain changing its physical structure as we learn new things or form new memories. Um, it alters the structure and function, and it takes a time and it takes effort. So the other type of neuroplasticity is called functional neuroplasticity. So functional plasticity is the brain's ability to move functions from a damaged area of the brain to other undamaged areas. So this is a way that we can compensate for injuries or genetic deficiencies or other uh, insults to the brain. So it occurs when the brain when the networks of the brain change, where it circumvents something or goes around or finds a different way to connect. Uh, these brain networks are changed through repetition, and over time, they become more easily activated. So this is like when you see someone recovering from an injury, uh, and it takes time, and you see progress over time. One of the um, examples that came up in the research was Representative Gabby Giffords, um, who, if you remember, tragically got shot in the head at a campaign event. Over time, she's made a lot of progress in recovery, but it didn't happen overnight. It happened through repetition, and it happened through hard work. Uh, so some of the things, whether it's an injury or a severe stress or adversity, can disrupt neuroplasticity. Uh, and that is something that we see a lot in conditions like depression or PTSD. Uh, and in these situations, these, can, these are actually like a loss of synapses or a disconnection of the neurons, disruption of them. So in these disorders, people get stuck in these ruts of negative thinking, feeling, behaving, or even having fear-based memories repeat and repeat and repeat. But thanks to hard work and neuroplasticity, many of these people are able to improve the condition or even recover completely from them. So neuroplastic change requires five components the five components. So the first one is challenge and nov novel novelty. So meaning that it should be a new skill uh, and it should be challenging for you. So a perfect example for that would be learning how to play an instrument that you've never played before. Uh, something that doesn't come naturally to you, so it's new, it's novel, and something that's not completely easy, so it's challenging. Uh, the second component that's required for neuroplastic change, intention. It's something that must matter to you. You need to feel motivated to work on it, and you need to have a strong why. Uh, the next component is attention. You know, whatever we focus the most on is what tends to change. It can't be something that we just focus on once and then go, okay, great. It has to be something that you're at least paying attention to on a regular basis. And to make changes in your brain, it typically has to be a pretty regular basis. Uh, leading on to the next component, which is repetition and intensity. You need bouts of intense repetition to make change. Uh, you know, we'll talk about this more in a little bit, but there's a concept of nerves that fire together, wire together, and they need to fire together repeatedly over time and at a pretty intense clip to really start changing the structure of the brain. 
And then the last component, obviously, is going to be time. It takes time for structure and function to change. You have to be patient with yourself. You have to be kind to yourself because it's very easy to get frustrated with things that take a lot of time. So one of the cool things about neuroplasticity is it varies depending on how old we are. So neuroplasticity in children is when typically the most change occurs, you know, especially in the ages of zero to two, ages four to six, and the ages surrounding pu puberty. When we're born, we have a great plethora of neurons in our brain, and they're kind of undecided as to what they're going to do. Think about a bush that has th millions and millions of branches, uh, and they're not sure which way they're going to grow yet, and they're just kind of all over the place. So as we grow and we learn, we start pruning off some of these branches, and we get really focused into specific pathways, and that's how our brain learns and develops and how we learn to talk over time and how we learn to do different uh, activities, whether it's tying our shoes or walking or jumping rope. Um, the things we do the most are the ones that make the strongest connection. So this is called synaptic pruning, which is why the bush example is such a great example because you prune the, the uh, branches off the bush and you can shape it however you want. So as these synaptic pathways are used repeatedly, surrounding neurons that aren't being used start to weaken and those are the ones that get pruned off. Um, as we adapt to new environments, our brains get rid of the unused and unnecessary neural connections and they strengthen and preserve the ones that we use most frequently. Uh, research suggests that imbalanced brain pruning can be linked to psychiatric and neurodegenerative issues. Uh, you know, again, depression, anxiety, uh, developmental uh, issues as we grow. So, if not enough pruning, if not enough pruning occurs, the brain remains hyperconnected, which is kind of what we see in kids that have autism and other spectrum disorders. There's not enough pruning happening, so there's so much interaction between the neurons, it makes them hard to function uh, in, a, in a way that's, you know, in the way that we would describe as quote-unquote normal. Um, obviously, there's no such thing as normal. It's all relative, but for the purposes of that statement, it kind of gets the point across. Too much pruning, cutting off too many branches actually inhibits the ability for the neurons to communicate between each other. So this is similar to what we see in patients that have neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer and schizophrenia is an overpruning of these neurons. So too much or too little can cause problems. Balance. We talk about it all the time. Uh, but yeah, moving on. So again, we talked about this a little bit before, but I want to come back to it. Neuroplasticity involves a fire-together, wire-together principle. So when certain neurons keep firing at the same time, eventually they decide they're besties and they just fire together all the time. They'll develop an actual physical connection and become associated with each other. So this experience-dependent plasticity means that if you practice something consistently, whether it's guitar or meditation or CrossFit, um, your brain's going to start associating the neurons that are firing together and create pathways uh, to actually connect them to each other. Um, whether you're a child or an adult or in between, um, actions and thoughts, both positive and negative, that you repeat can form neural pathways. So once you've created a neural pathway that's connected to negative thoughts, it can be very hard to change that or get out of that loop, that negative cycle. Um, so 
it's one of the things you want to think about as we're going through this and talking about ways that you can improve your neuroplasticity. So again, children have the most neuroplastic, most innate neuroplasticity, which means they have the most potential for, for overcoming injuries to their neurons. Uh, in children, there's four main types of neuroplasticity. So there's adaptive, which is what occurs when a, chil when a child practices a special skill and the brain adapts to functional or structural changes in the brain. Uh, there's impaired, which is changes that occur due to genetic disorders or acquired diseases. There's excessive neuroplasticity, which is a, you know, a maladaptive or a, a, a poorly thought out pathway that can lead to disability or disorders. And then there's plasticity that makes the brain vulnerable to injury, which is, um, again, harmful pathways that are formed that make it more likely that a person's going to be susceptible to something. Uh, luckily, because they're children and they have such a robust plasticity built in, it gives them a much better chance with the proper therapy, with the proper approaches to overcome these issues. So, again... Children are much, have a much greater ability to recover from injury uh, more effectively than the average adult. But what we're finding out more and more is that adults can make really big changes and actually come back from a lot of injuries as well. So neuroplasticity in adult. So they don't have as much innate neuroplasticity as they did when they were children. But with consistent effort, healthy lifestyle habits, uh, and time, adult brains are capable of making big changes as well. You know, this is one of the reasons that it's so important for us to work with young children and infants who have developmental delays or brain injuries or birth traumas, because the sooner we can get to them and the sooner we can start working on their nervous systems, the bigger their potential for change and growth and leading a normal, healthy, traditional life. Um, so what are some of the ways that we can use neuroplasticity in our day-to-day -day lives? You know, neuroplasticity is something we can use to reinvent ourselves, uh, to change patterns that we don't like, to change behaviors that we don't like, um, and to work towards, you know, the vision we have of ourselves for the future, to set new goals, to change uh, habits. All of those things happen because of neuroplasticity. And then we can also use neuroplasticity to overcome past traumatic events, whether it's PTSD or a traumatic brain injury or some other trauma in our lives, very often that creates a pathway that gets us into a cycle of repetition and stress over time. But using neuroplasticity, using some of the techniques we're going to talk about today, you can actually change the structure of your brain and either circumvent that pathway or rewire it in a way that's healthier. So we can also, and this is pretty cool, we can use, wor we can use neuroplasticity to ward off degenerative diseases in the future. Um, our brain is so dynamic that we can rewire it um, in ways that can change outcomes. So this makes a really big argument for using some of these techniques to help avoid things down the road like dementia or, or Alzheimer's disease or potentially even affecting the expression of things like schizophrenia or other disorders, anxiety, depression, things like that as we age. Um, they're still doing research on this. And obviously, like we say every week, if you are experiencing any of these issues, definitely talk to a healthcare practitioner. Uh, get some professional advice. Do not just take this podcast. As, this is not professional advice. This is just for informational purposes. So what are some tips for promoting neuroplasticity? These are going to sound familiar because we talk about them every week. So dream life. So 
exercise, especially cardio exercise and strength training, have been shown to be very uh, beneficial to the brain, very healthy to the plasticity of the brain, and to the resiliency of the brain and the body in general. It improves blood flow, which is very important for our brain. Um, it decreases inflammation in our bodies, and it stimulates the brain. A lot of these things are about stimulating the brain repetitively in positive ways to create these pathways. Sleep. So sleep is super important. Consistent sleep. Consistent sleep schedules. Um, deep, uninterrupted, healthy sleep on a regular basis is one of the most important things we can do. Uh, diet. You know, we want to have diets that promote gut health, that decrease inflammation. Remember, our gut and our brain are directly linked. So the health of one is the health of the other. Inflammation can be stressful to the brain over time. So anything we can do to decrease inflammation through our diet is going to be very helpful. And then things like getting enough omega-3 fatty acids. What? Fatty acids. I think that's that's going to be our next bumper sticker. Uh, Omega-3 fatty acids, uh, like from wild, wild caught fish and or supplements like fish oils, um, and then uh, one of our favorites for brain health is lion's mane mushrooms. Again, I like to use a tincture of mushrooms that I put into my drinks in the morning, but you can actually, I mean, lion's mane is a great mushroom to eat. It kind of has a taste and a texture that's similar to like lobster, so you can saute it in some butter. Uh, you can actually order kits and grow lion's mane mushrooms at home. They're not impossible to find in the woods. They are very... Um, unique in their look and in their description. So it's pretty easy and pretty safe to find and harvest lion's mane mushrooms. There's a lot of options out there and you can get them in the store. So lion's mane mushroom are very uh, neuroprotective and that can be very helpful for the brain and very helpful for our brain's plasticity. And again, I think we talk about this most weeks as well, but therapy, psychotherapy is all about fostering resilience in our brain and to help people examine distressing feelings and experiences and redirect them into more functional patterns, restoring cognitive and behavioral flexibility. So that's neuroplasticity in a nutshell. Taking a current situation that's not serving you and learning how to redirect that pathway into a more healthy response and a more healthy behavior. So, quick recap of some activities that you could try, maybe even add to your goals for 2024. What activities can promote neuroplasticity? So, Learning a new language. This is a great one. Um, when we learn our primary language, our brain structures itself in a certain way. It's one of the reasons that when you try to learn a new language, it can be challenging because you have to learn new pathways for grammar and syntax and verbs and nouns. And not all languages completely match up. You know, So learning a new language is a great way to restructure the neuroplasticity in your brain. Learning how to play an instrument. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, A, because it's hard, it's challenging, it's new, it's novel, and it's fun. Um, you know, having a growth mindset is something that takes advantage of the neuroplasticity in our brains. So, a growth mindset is something we've talked about before, but it's essentially believing that with repetition and consistency and hard work, you can overcome things that you don't like in your life or change behaviors, change patterns. That is neuroplasticity. Um, so having a growth mindset is taking advantage of neuroplasticity, but it also encourages neuroplasticity. 
Um, traveling to new places. We've talked about this before, but travel is super important because it gets us out of our comfort zone. It exposes us to new cultures, new customs, and it makes uh, and it takes advantage of the neuroplasticity as well. So it's super helpful there. Artistic pursuits, whether it's drawing or writing or painting, sculpting, all of these things challenge us to use our brains in a way that we don't necessarily use on an everyday basis, which again promotes the neuroplasticity. Just like going to the gym and lifting weights to make yourself stronger and more resilient so that your body can handle whatever the world throws at it, we're essentially lifting weights for our brain to make it as uh, plasticity-based as possible so that when there's challenges or injuries or traumas or losses or stresses that arise, our brain is more resilient, can do the old Tai Chi, redirect the energy, come around it, and use it to its advantage. Um, and then reading. You know, this is a great case for reading fiction. You know, it's not just fun to read fiction. It causes our brain to imagine different scenarios, to imagine different perspectives, to imagine different characters. So reading is another way. All reading um, also, but like, because all reading is going to use your brain to translate words into sounds. I'm sorry, translate letters into sounds, into words, into meanings, into concepts, into symbols. It's like mental gymnastics to read. So whatever you're reading is going to be helpful for the neuroplasticity. But just like everything else, it's probably most helpful to have a variety of things that you're reading. All right. I think that's a good place for us to stop today. So to recap, our brains are malleable, but it takes intention. It takes time. It takes repetition. It takes effort. And it takes healthy lifestyle habits. So dream life, diet, rest, exercise, adjustments, mental attitude. All of these things are going to play play a role in how healthy our brain is, how plastic our brain is, and how resilient our brain is. And as we age, the resiliency and the plasticity of our brain is one of the most important things to keeping us healthy, to keeping us mentally aware, and to keep us from declining. So, I would highly recommend, if you have any questions, reach out to me. Uh, If you want to know more, this is a great topic to research. There's a ton of really cool articles out there. There's a ton of cool YouTube videos. Um, If you want more information, if you want us to talk about this more, reach out to us on social. Uh, Reach out to me directly. Let me know what you liked. Let me know what you didn't like. Let me know if this was useful to you. Uh, And then in the meantime, enjoy the end of the year. We've only got a few weeks left of 2023. You can use them however you want. Um, I wish you all the best. I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm beyond grateful for each and every one of you. So get out there this week. Have some fun. Have some festivities. uh, Get uncomfortable. And I'll talk to you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please remember to share this podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on social at Moby Dickert and learn more about me and the podcast at thomasdickert.com.